Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. We've been looking at Psalm 106, and I just kind of want to set up a base camp here because there's so many important things in this psalm that are vital to walking with God. I think you're listening to this podcast because you want to have a deeper walk with God. You want to live in the bigger story of the gospel. You want to live into the better story for your life. So in the last episode, we looked at two things that you have to believe if you want to walk with God your whole life. Now, you may have been counting in the last episode while I was talking, and you counted three, actually, instead of two, which is actually true. In my head, I was combining two into one, but probably it's best in some sense to think of them as three. Number one, you have to believe that God's word is true, that his promises that are for us are true, and he's going to be true to his promises. He's already started those promises by coming in the person of Jesus, dying on the cross, rising from the dead. He's already done the hard part, so to speak. So how much more is he going to be faithful to finishing out all that he has promised us in Christ? You have to believe the word of God is true if you're going to walk with God the rest of your life. Second, you have to believe that he loves you, that God really has this infinite I am with you kind of relationship with you. He's always 100% focused on you. He's always 100% present with you. And he has an intense, infinite love for you, specifically for you, that is an abundant, infinite, steadfast love. We looked at that out of Psalm 106 in the last episode. And third, that his will for you is ultimately good, that God is good. He is the good creating God and his will for you is your ultimate good. It's your only good. That's the only good there is. There is no good outside of his will. It is the better story. And these three reasons are why you can trust him completely with your life and need to trust him completely with your life so that you can live into his bigger story of love and goodness and the promises that are for you in Christ. And that was our last episode. I want to look today at how do you view yourself? I think it's really important. We looked a couple episodes ago at the common sin of the Israelites, it says in Psalm 106, is that they did not remember. They did not remember God's infinite steadfast love for them. They did not remember his wondrous works for them in salvation. They did not remember the whole thing that has to do with why God had made a covenant with them and what his promise for them was. And I think that is really indicative for us, you and me, of the kind of thing that gets us off track and gets us out of the bigger story. And so what I want to talk about in this episode is one of the things that I really think is one of the main reasons why we get tripped up and get dragged out and hijacked out of this narrative of the gospel. And that is, you and I don't remember who we really are in Christ. This whole narrative of the Bible of who you are really are in Christ. 
I think we live in an age and a day when identity is the big word and everybody's trying to find their identity and affirm their identity in all kinds of tribes, politically or culturally or whatever. People are crying out for meaning and purpose and significant and worth through being recognized as a certain identity. And I think it's really vital that we as followers of Christ not get dragged into that narrative and therefore get dragged outside the narrative of the gospel. The common phrase we hear is, be true to yourself, and I think that's a good phrase. I think the gospel means something completely different than what the culture means when they say it. Be true to yourself, who you really are in Christ, the real you, the eternal you, the you that God came and died for and rose from the dead to bring you into the bigger story. There is a real you that the Old Testament calls your soul. It's the real you that is in Christ. And to live the Christian life in the sense of this bigger story, this better story, you have to find the real you and live according to the real you in Christ. Again, we know this from the promises of God to us in the Bible, and we know this in the story of God's goodwill for us and his infinite, abundant love for us in Christ. So to be true to yourself is seeing yourself vertically rather than horizontally. You know what I mean by that if you've been listening to this podcast. We get caught in a horizontal story. We see ourselves horizontally based upon our circumstances, based upon how others see us, how others interact with us, things people say to us, and we use our horizontal relationships. I'm kind of imagining myself on the surface of a bumper pool table, and all of these obstacles, and the ball hits the obstacles and goes this way and that way, and there's just all these things in the middle of the table, and it always used to frustrate me to play bumper pool. I just wanted to have this big, wide open space of a real pool table, but all we could afford when I was a kid was a bumper pool table and it was just not as much fun. But I think of that image when I think of what it means to live my life merely horizontally. I'm being bounced around by my circumstances. I'm seeing myself. I'm seeing my identity based upon my interactions with people, my relationships, things that people say to me. And it's a life of chaos. But when I remember to see myself vertically, to see myself according to how the I am sees me, according to what the I am created me to be, according to who I am in this broad and vertical relationship that goes way up high and has this three-dimensional aspect to it that brings this largest story to my life. If I can live according to those promises. And that reality, the Bible tells me of who I really am. That's when my life is filled with true meaning and significance and worth. And that touches on a really important distinction. You have to know the difference between being unworthy and having worth. You are worth the death of Jesus. You are worth God, the God that created this universe, becoming human in the person of Jesus to rescue you from being enslaved to sin and death and darkness and the pit. You are worth that God becoming human, suffering and dying to take your place in death, to break through the other side of death, to rise from the dead, to give you a resurrection. You are worth God doing that. He did it for you. 
Paul says, who loved me and gave himself for me in Galatians 2.20. That's an indication of your worth to God. God would not have done that if you were not worth it to him to do that. But you and I are not worthy of it. There's a difference. We, we, we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We deserved the opposite. We're not worthy of God's death for us and resurrection for us in Christ, but we are worth it. And there's a really important thing to think about your life. It's important to see ourselves as unworthy and to see the grace of God as lavished upon us who don't deserve it and have this overwhelming sense of gratitude for what God is doing and has done and will do for us, even though we are not deserving of it. We are not worthy of it. And yet having this sense that we are worth it, that we have this dignity because we're created in the image of God and that God created us for this eternal purpose and the infinite God has an eternal purpose for us, which gives us significance and worth and value. What's the price tag? We are valued at the death of Christ, the body of Christ, the coming of Jesus. God in the person of Jesus is a demonstration of our value to God. Through Jesus Christ, you have been proved to be important, eternally important to God, valuable to God. For Christ did not shed his blood for worthless people, but for unworthy people. You have to understand the difference. You are worth the sacrifice of God in the person of Jesus, even though you do not deserve it. You're not worthy of it. But you're worth it because you are the focal point of God's love. God's love for you gives you worth. The psalm says you are the apple of his eye. So Psalm 106, verse 1, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love focused on you and me. His steadfast love focused on his people. So verse 5, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that God has chosen ones in the sense that he has set those apart for his purpose that are called to Christ and have become part of this new humanity, this community of those who are in Christ. They are chosen in the sense that they are worth it to God. We have become the inheritance of God. And so it says that I may glory with your inheritance. So verse seven, they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. That's how much we are worth to God is the abundance of his infinite steadfast love. So what I want to do is just read some verses here that you and I can meditate on. Just take a moment here and focus our eyes on the promises of God's word. His word is true. He loves you and his will for you is good. And he has deemed you worth his death even though you are unworthy of it, you have to see yourself with the dignity and the value and the significance and the worth of the Son of God. So just listen here. Soak in these truths of God's Word. Romans in the New Testament, Romans 5, 6 through 10. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did Christ die for? For the ungodly. You and I are not worthy of the death of Christ. We are ungodly, and that's exactly 
who Christ died for. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who did Christ die for? Unworthy people, sinners. Why did he die for them? Because of his own love for us, Paul says. His own love for us. Now, this is where you have to see yourself in the us. How do you know if you're part of the us? How do you know if all this is for you? How do you know if it's not just for all those other people, but you're not one of them? And here, you know, we all struggle with that question. How do I know that these promises apply to me and not somebody else? How do I know I'm inside this story, that I belong in here? And I struggle with that. You struggle with that. And the answer that I have that I think the Bible is really clear on and it repeats over and over is that we receive these promises by faith, by trust, by a desire to be in this story, to follow Christ. So you have it if you embrace it, if you want it. You're not going to have a perfect 100% faith. So you can't, in some sense, it's not according to the strength of your faith that you get it. It's according to you saying, this is what I want to be. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want these promises to be true for me, and I want to live inside this story. And that's an issue of the heart, and that's an issue of trust, and that's an issue of submission. And that's what the Bible says over and over again is what is required of those who received this promise. So remember Jesus' story of the tax collector who said, have mercy on me, a sinner. He saw himself as unworthy, and he had to throw himself to the mercy of God. And that's what you and I have to do. And we have to have this sense of wanting to embrace these truths for us. That's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why we're meditating on these scriptures. We're not looking for 100% faith, but God demonstrates his love for us. We're part of the us if we want to be part of the us. I think that's how it works. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is what shows our worth to God, that while we were still sinners, unworthy, Christ died for us. You are worth the death of Jesus. You are important to God. He has this infinite love for you that he has already demonstrated through the death of Jesus. And so it says in verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In other words, if we have already been reconciled by the death of Jesus, how much more will the resurrection of Jesus bring this explosive, saving, healing, powerful reality into our lives? God has already done the hard part. Now he gets to do the fun part. And that is bring us into this great story of sharing in his beauty and his glory and his love. I think the Christian life becomes hard for us and undesirable for us. The narrative of following Jesus becomes unattractive to us when we see it as duty more than beauty. When we can focus on the beauty of what this story really means, the beauty of the gospel, the glory of the gospel, the splendor and the majesty of the story we are being called into rather than some duty we have to do to earn God's favor and earn God's love, trying to make ourselves worthy when we know we're unworthy and we live with this vertical confidence of our worth to God who died for us, 
to bring us into this story, not of duty, but of beauty, that's when our lives are filled with anticipation and hope of what God's story is for us, even in the hard times, even in the painful times. We know that these painful times are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. So the New Testament says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. What's the price? The death of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. That's the price that purchased you in redemption, that bought you. That's what the price tag is of you that God wanted to pay. That's what you are worth. So it says, therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's the thing, that knowing who you are in Christ means knowing that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a walking temple. You are a walking Eden. You are a walking presence of heaven on earth, an embassy of heaven on earth, a presence of God on earth. The Holy Spirit indwells you because he bought you with the price of his own blood, of Jesus' blood on the cross. You're not your own, it says. You were bought at a price. And do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Just listen to this. Meditate on this. Let these words soak in. Do you not know? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten to remember that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God. Another way to translate that would be glorify God with your bodies. Live into this glory, glory in his glory, in his beauty, in his splendor, his greater story, better story with your body, with your whole life. So just a few verses earlier in that chapter, verse 11, it says, but you were washed You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit, through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, has washed you completely, has sanctified you. That's a word that means made you holy. That word sanctified is just the verb of the word holy in the Greek that this was originally written. So you are holy. You are sanctified. You are made holy. You are washed. You are justified, declared right with God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is who you are. You have to remember who you are. You have to live true to yourself. And living true to yourself suddenly lifts your head in this vertical way. And you look up and you have this sense of worth and value because you've been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So remember in John 17, when Jesus is praying the night before he died, the night before he gave his life for you, the night before he's crucified, he says to God, the Father, he says about his, what he's praying for, I in them. That's, he said, those who believe in me through the message of his apostles. So not just his apostles, but you and me who have believed through their message. He says, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity, that we brought into this new humanity, this new community. And he says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now catch that, that you have loved them. 
That's why I came. That's why you sent me, because you loved them even as you have loved me. Think about that. The love of God the Father toward God the Son, the love of God the Father infinitely toward Jesus is the same amount of love, Jesus said, that God has for you. You have to be true to yourself. You have to believe the promises of God. You have to believe that he loves you and that his will for you is good. And so that's what verse 24 says. Jesus says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. He's talking about this future glory, the resurrection, and to see my glory and the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. This love that the Father had for the Son has for the Son before the world was even created. This infinite love and this glory that they shared together is the same love and the same glory that Jesus came to bring us into. Not duty, but beauty. This is who you are in Christ. So be who you are. This is who you are. Remember who you are. So be who you are. Live as you are. Be true to yourself. Don't get tripped up and hijacked into a lesser narrative, a story of finding your identity through things that are based upon the bumper pool table of people's acceptance of you versus their anger at you, of trying to please people, of trying to live into circumstances that give your life value because you have a good job or good money or good whatever it is, family that people admire or whatever it is, house, all these horizontal realities that come and go, rather than being trapped into that smaller narrative, lift your head, lift up your eyes, look up and see the vertical price tag. See this vertical sense of who you are in Christ. You've been washed. You have been made holy. You have been made righteous in Christ. So be who you are. And so we pray, oh God, I give thanks to you for who you have made me to be in Christ, that you loved me before the creation of the world. And because of your love for me, you have demonstrated your love for me. And that while I was still a sinner and am still a sinner, you have demonstrated your own love for me and that Christ died for me. Christ died for the ungodly. I am not worthy of you. I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of being brought into this story of glory and beauty and splendor. But your word says I am worth it, that that this is the price you paid because this is what your love for me has deemed me to be worth. And if you've already died for me when I was an enemy, how much more are you going to bring me into this story of beauty and glory? Now you get to do the fun part. You've already done the hard part. The New Testament says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You came to give me all things, us all things, that we would have this unity of your people brought into a unity with you, your Holy Spirit indwelling me, your Holy Spirit making me a temple on earth, a presence of God on earth, a presence of your love, a presence of your glory and your beauty and your redemption on earth. 
and I give praise to you, and I lift my eyes, and I look to you, and I see myself through you. I see myself with the blood of Jesus, worth the blood of Jesus. Not worthy, but worth the blood of Jesus. The worth of your infinite love. Not worthy, but the worth of your infinite love defining who I am, declaring my identity. You have made me in your image, and you have remade me in your image of Christ by dying for me and bringing me into you and giving me eternal life through a resurrection in Christ. This is the story that defines my life. It says in verse 37, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that you love me. This defines me. And so I give thanks to you that I don't have to earn worthiness. I don't have to earn your love. I don't have to earn becoming significant. I don't have to earn becoming somebody who's worthy of you. But I, I know that I'm not. I've been declared not. But that you died for me in my unworthiness because I am worth it. And I have your love and I have you washing me, and I have you making me holy, and I have you making me righteous because of Jesus, because of the death of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus, not because of my worthiness, but because of your love for me and what you have done for me. I am a temple of your Holy Spirit who is in me, whom I have received from you. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price the price of Jesus on the cross. Therefore, I want to glorify you, God, in my body. I want to glorify you in how I think of myself. I want to glorify you in how I see my identity, who I see myself to be, who I believe myself to be, the object of your death, because that's the price tag you were willing to pay because you have this goodwill for me, because you have this infinite love for me, even though I'm unworthy. I want to glorify you, not out of duty, but out of beauty, out of glorying in your glory. I want to obey you, not out of duty, but out of beauty of being brought into this good will for my life, of being brought into this infinite love for my life. Because you have loved me even as you've loved Jesus before the creation of the world. I want to submit to this story. I want to submit to your will. I want to submit to your goodwill for my life. I want to submit to your love for me. I want to submit to this whole reason why you came, this story you have for me that's eternal, the reason why you bought me at a price, the reason why you've filled me with your Holy Spirit and dwell me with your Holy Spirit, have made me a temple on earth of your presence, the temple of heaven, the temple of your Holy Spirit, because you've washed me, you have made me holy, you have made me righteous in Christ. You have bought me with a price, and therefore I want to glorify you with my body. I want to glorify you with my tongue, my words, my mouth. I want to glorify you with my eyes. I want to glorify you with my hands. I want to glorify you in the things that I say, the things that I don't say, how I listen, how I love, how I serve people. I want to glorify you with a heart of gratitude. I want to glorify you by living in the joy of this story. I want to glorify you by being a person of love because I've received this infinite love. I'm not trying to become worthy to people. I don't have to become worthy to people because I'm living in this story that's vertical. I don't have to be trapped on the horizontal bumper pool table. I live this vertical story that gives my life worth and so I can treat people with worth, treat people with love. 
I give thanks to you that this is a far better story, a far bigger story than anything the horizontal can try to give me. And then I die. That's not the story I want to live in. I want to live in this explosive big blue sky story of your kingdom, of your will, of your love, of your beauty. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.